uh, take a little break from Selections in Samuel as the first day of Lent and Communion Sunday, and we are in Matthew 4. If you would like to turn to that, there are Bibles, of course. Maybe you brought your own. It will be in the screen uh, behind me. Matthew 4, 1 through 11, going into the desert with Jesus, who is just beginning his ministry on earth. Matthew 4, beginning at verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Lord, we have set this time aside to seek you and your truth. Would you please meet us on our journey, helping us to see what you have for us today? Amen. The story of Jesus in the wilderness being tempted confronts us on multiple levels in our faith and practice. Since no one was there and there were no cameras filming, this encounter was something Jesus must have told his disciples about. And as we read it, we're faced with what we believe about good and evil, about the nature of the Savior, what it says about how we will be tempted in life and what we are to do. Jesus has just been baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin, John the Baptist. And at this event, all three uh, persons of the Godhead are present. The sun in the water, the spirit descending as a dove, and the voice of the father saying how pleased he is with his son. Baptism is impactful for the one taking that step because God promises to be present in that moment in a supernatural way. And from this spiritually impactful, this spiritually high place, Jesus goes into the wilderness where he is tempted by the devil. Now, right away, this passage confronts what we believe about good and evil. Here we see the tempter, the devil, Satan named openly opposing Jesus, trying to get the Lord to do his will. And we see the Father not just allowing it, but that Jesus was led intentionally to that place by the Spirit. And we have to ask ourselves, are we a person who downplays the role of evil in life? Do we believe and act as though there is a cosmic battle going on for our souls? 
I read a good distinction this week about temptation and testing in the NIV commentary. They said this, temptation is an enticement. That is a very good word. An enticement to get a person to act contrary to God's will. That's what we see going on here. A test is when we have the opportunity to prove ourselves faithful to God. Now, as we remember from studying the book of James, God never tempts anyone to do evil because he himself is not evil. That is not who his character is. However, he does allow circumstances to test a person's character. Here we see both. The devil is tempting Jesus to be disobedient to who God is. And in the middle of it, the father is using it for the good purpose of strengthening Jesus for the mission he has to do. When we read a passage like this, we need to remember that scripture has several examples of humans being tempted. And we are not exempt from that. And there are passages that speak specifically to how the devil is out to harm us and will use various tactics to get us to change our mind about God. And we also have to acknowledge that God, who is all good, guides us to places that are painful and difficult and challenging and often places where we don't want to go. God leads us into the wilderness. He calls us to fast. He directs us to be alone. He wants us to be where we have to rely on him so that we might understand more of who he is so that he might be able to change us. This is the outcome hoped for in temptation, that the believer will exercise what they have learned, living out their faith in ways that they have not before. This passage also confronts our humanity. That we think that we are very tough and strong, but we are very susceptible to being tempted and sometimes more vulnerable because of our pride. We are more vulnerable when we have given in to temptation. We are more vulnerable because of life's circumstances. We are so fragile. And we live in a world where there is little value given to saying no to something that is presented to us. Something that we want, even if it isn't good for us. The world says, no problem. Come on. And the Lord says, stop. Think. Obey me. Here, Jesus is vulnerable because he's alone. He's hungry. He's without any conveniences of heaven or earth. He's been fasting, trying to understand what it means to rely in his humanness on God's power instead of earthly comfort. When we are tempted, we see what our faith is made of. Here we see Jesus staying above what is being offered. The devil begins by questioning the Lord's identity. If. You are the son of God. Excuse me. That's what I would have said. Excuse me. That wouldn't have been the right thing to say. Don't say that. But beware of the temptation that strips you down to the voice that tells you that you are less than being made in the image of God. Beware of the voice that wants to lie to you and tell you that you are less than beloved. Don't listen to that voice. 
It is pure evil to make us doubt who we are. The devil tempts Jesus in three ways. Physical food, God's care over him, and earthly power. Notice that all of these are temptations centered on the self. Eat the bread. You know you're hungry. Choose the sensational. God's going to catch you. Grab the power. I can give you everything. Have you ever had someone try to tell you, sell you something, and they were very insistent that you buy it? Act now because the price is only going to go out. I can only give you this deal for another half an hour. If you buy these knives, we'll throw in the woodblock for free. With the devil, it's a little bit more like, I have this all-inclusive vacation paid for you. You just have to give me your soul. You just have to give me, you know, the money that I need in order to give the down payment. The devil reminds me of these salespeople who use high-pressure tactics because they are the ones who will benefit. And in those moments, it's so important that we stop and remember who we are and who made us and what God would be saying If this really is a deal, as good as it looks, the devil goes for the whole price, showing his true intention all along that he wants Jesus to worship him. This is why this is a battle. See, whatever your view of heaven and hell and the devil and evil is, don't forget this passage. It's here to remind you that there is one who wants to take you away from knowing and honoring God. That's what Satan's trying to do here with Jesus. This passage confronts us in how we respond to temptation. In every offer, Jesus quotes scripture. And this teaches us something important about what God has given us to combat evil. Because the word of God is active and alive, sharper than any double-edged sword, able to cut through anything that comes at us or from us. When you are in the wilderness, scripture is meant to be a lifeline. But I hear people, even Christian people, downplaying the role of God's word because it's become cliche. It's become not relevant to our lives. The truth is, we are a people, I think, who read less scripture than those who came before us. We are a people who relies more on what seems good to us in the moment and self-help models and popular opinion about how to deal with the mundane and the challenging aspect of life. Yet here is our Savior who studied the word, who created the word to combat the enemy. We have the best weapon available. In his book, The Jesus I Never Knew, Philip Yancey has a great chapter that Nikki reminded me of, of this encounter He says, Jesus' greatest test must have been restraining himself in this temptation. Because he is the incomparable God, there is nothing he can't do. Satan knows that. Satan isn't really offering him anything that he can't get on his own. But he holds back. Jesus holds back. There's a greater prize at stake. Really... Yancey says what Jesus is being offered here is to be a king who was offered a crown without the pain of the cross. He was saying, Jesus, these people are clamoring for a Messiah. You could be a Messiah to come and rescue the people with no consequence on yourself. 
But that would have left the world under the weight of sin and pain with no savior. Jesus is being tempted to show his power, which is so often what we ask of him. Lord, would you please bring your power? Would you please change the circumstance? Would you please, would you please? But he wants us to know his love first. This story confronts us in what kind of savior we want. The one we have been compelled by a love so great that he lived out a plan that would not override our freedom to choose him. This reminds me of something else from this week. In our small group, we're studying the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis, which isn't about an imaginary devil mentoring his nephew, another devil, to keep a guy out of heaven. And when, what we read this week was how the demons just can't understand why God would do so much for humanity. They say something like this. Well, he says that it's because he loves the vermin. That's what they call humans, vermin. But that can't be it. <laughs> There's got to be something else. We've got to crack this code. There's got to be another reason why God would go through all of these lengths to help humans. Why would he do that? They just can't understand the love that God has for his people. Passing this test meant that Jesus could go and live out the ministry set before him. This skirmish was a foreshadowing of the bigger battle ahead of him that would ultimately lead to the winning of the war. We celebrate that victory today in communion. Because Jesus was triumphant over sin and death, he helps us to overcome the temptations and battles we face. Each year we are confronted with another season of Lent. And we have to decide how we will walk through the wilderness in these 40 days before the celebration of the resurrection. Jesus chose to be ready for temptation by relying deeply on the Father through solitude and fasting and prayer and scripture. The way of the cross is death to self so that we would know his true life. Jesus is here to minister to you this morning. He has gone before you in every way so that you are not alone in what you face. How are you intentionally being led by the Spirit on this journey to the cross? Where are the places this morning where you are vulnerable? Where are you being tempted this morning where you need to be strengthened by his word? I invite you to come to the altar to receive the body and blood of the Lord, remembering his sacrifice. And in this act of worship today, let us commit again to put him at the center of our lives, surrendering again our will to his. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.